Hello, everyone. Welcome to this We Did It.Health broadcast. At We Did It.Health, we're working to create a healthy, happy, vegan, and whole food plant-based world. We're doing that through building community and offering resources, such as today's discussion, to help us create relationships where you'll plant seeds of hopeful curiosity in others when they ask about a vegan or whole food plant-based lifestyle. So be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can see our, your favorite workshop or presentation. Always have access to that. And we also invite you to join our Facebook community so you can, so you can connect and support with other members. It's so important that we have encouragement and we don't feel alone. So my name is Marikita Solis, Marikita Solis, and I'm so excited to welcome Dr. Shireen Kassam, the founder of Plant-Based Health Professionals UK and Lifestyle Medicine Physician to today's program. Welcome, Dr. Shireen. Great, thank you very much. It's really um, lovely to be here with you. Um, can I check that you can see my slides? Yeah, let me, are you ready? Let's see, so Dr. Um, Shireen is gonna have a wonderful presentation and. I've got that ready. I just want to say hello to Claudia and JJ. Thanks for watching. And everyone, please put your comments in the chat and we'll start the presentation if you're ready. Yeah, no, I'm I'm ready. So just to check, you can see my slides now. That's down, but there they are. And I'm gonna, yes, right there. Okay, so, uh, and I'm controlling them from my end. Yeah, you can right. see them moving. Yeah, okay, perfect. So do, do shout if anything disappears or there's an issue. Um, but um, as Margarita said, um, my name is Shireen. Um, I'm predominantly a consultant haematologist in the National Health Service here in the UK. Um, but uh, most of my spare time is spent um, providing education and advocacy around plant-based diets and really trying to bridge that intersection between us as the plant-based and vegan community and the healthcare service. Um, so as I've already said, um, I work as an NHS hospital consultant. Um, we've been running plant-based health professionals since 2018. I also am co-founder of a lifestyle medicine service here in the UK called Plant-Based Health Online with my co-founder, Laura Freeman, who's a GP and lifestyle medicine physician. I provide education on plant-based diets at the University of Winchester, and I've been vegan myself since 2013. And you can see my website addresses at the bottom there if anyone's interested to find out more. A lot of the resources on there are free. Um, so I'm sure I'm speaking to an audience who already know this, but I just thought I'd set the scene in a way that I usually do with my presentations to reiterate that our current food system is really broken and is at the center of a number of our interrelated crises. It's the key driver of climate destruction, biodiversity loss. And I guess I'll be concentrating more on the health side, but um, no talk can go by without me mentioning ethics. And our food system is broken when it comes to thinking about ethics. Um, not only do we slaughter 80 billion land animals a year and 2 trillion fish, at the same time, we see that nearly a billion people on this planet remain hungry. This is despite the fact that we produce enough food to feed two planets. Um, and so it is hugely um, unethical and unfit for, for purpose. But I guess as a health professional, I've chosen to use my skill set and advocacy around the issue of health and individual health. And we're at the situation where year on year unhealthy diets cause more and more ill health. And globally, our diets are responsible for one in four deaths 
And in, the, in Europe, including the UK, a third of premature deaths can be related back to dietary risk factors. At the same time, as I've mentioned, the food system is driving climate change and it produces around a third of all greenhouse gases, more than other, any other sector put together. And in 2022, we learned from the annual report called the Global Nutrition Report that all forms of malnutrition, hunger to obesity have increased. And in each individual country, we see both forms of malnutrition, that's hunger and obesity, coexisting. So why are our diets so bad? Well, we learned this back in 2019 when the Global Burden of Disease Study Group analyzed dietary risk factors in 195 regions around the world. And there were shared risk factors wherever you live. Um, the same dietary risk factors are leading to the same um, conditions and excess um, risk of death. So the dietary risk factors that are most responsible are that our diets are too high in sodium, which is a reflection of our reliance on pre-prepared and packaged foods. And in the UK, we're particularly bad, where nearly 60% of our energy or calories come from ultra processed foods. If you're listening in from the U US, then it's even worse, more than 60% of your calories are coming from ultra processed foods. And then second and third and fourth to that, we are just not consuming enough of the healthy foods that promote good health. And we all know this is all the healthy plant foods, that's fruits, vegetables, whole grains, beans, nuts and seeds. Our diets are hugely deficient. Wherever we are in the world, we are not meeting the healthy requirements for these health-promoting foods. And this is leading to excess deaths from cardiovascular disease, cancer, and type 2 diabetes, conditions where are often um, completely preventable or at least could be delayed significantly. So what do we mean by a healthy diet pattern? Well, there is actually consensus among health professionals. You wouldn't think that when you're um, looking at media articles and social media in particular, but there is consensus and it's everything that's there in green at the bottom of the pyramid. Of course, a healthy um, existence on this planet also involves other healthy lifestyle behaviors like physical activity, social interactions, which I like the fact that this pyramid includes companion animals and of course, um, adequate restorative sleep. But then we should be reaching for water for thirst. Um, teas and coffees are fine to include if you enjoy it, but not, in, not essential. And then the middle layer is composed of all the healthy foods, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, beans, nuts and seeds, and healthy sources of plant fats. Or I should say plants, fats from plant sources. And then you see in the middle optional seafood and dairy, so not required. And then weekly, very rarely we should be consuming, if at all, if, if desired, many of the guidelines in, in, in clinical practice say the other um, nutrients um, found in animal sourced foods and we should be avoiding ultra processed foods. Now, if you look at the right hand um, list, all of these diet patterns that are considered healthy um, meet these recommendations. And in particular, of course, today we're talking about vegan diets or whole food plant based diet, a healthy plant-based diet. And this is very adaptable to all cultural and traditional diet patterns. Um, so it's a bit of a myth to say that, you know, culturally people are, uh, are used to eating meat. Actually, that's a very recent phenomenon. And so when we look at our practice guidelines, particularly for lifestyle medicine that pays attention to lifestyle habits that are key drivers of chronic disease, the American College of Lifestyle Medicine clearly states that an eating plan based around predominantly minimally processed fruits, vegetables, whole grains, beans, nuts and seeds 
the way forward to, to prevent chronic conditions. And you can see here half the plate fruits and vegetables, a quarter whole grains, quarter plant sources of protein, so beans and nuts and seeds and pulses and lentils and tofu and so forth. Um, and then water for thirst and add lots of herbs and spices, not only because they're delicious, but because they will also have health promoting properties. And so this is called, as we know, a whole food plant-based diet. It's right there center of our clinical guidelines. And the reason why they're there is because we have decades of data demonstrating how this type of diet, along with other healthy lifestyle habits, um, really address the root cause of chronic conditions, which can be summarized with these yellow boxes. Um, chronic conditions are often driven or associated with abnormalities in the microbiome, adverse epigenetic changes and cellular stress, so stress to the cells and injuring our cells and tissues and protein. And this ultimately leads to inflammation, which if continued at a chronic level will lead to a number of other conditions. But at any point, you can reverse this. So it's a good news story, really, in that if today we all went out there and adopted a healthy plant-based diet, like I've described, along with other healthy behaviors, we could turn back and go back um, and reverse these changes. So there really is hope, but the best evidence comes from adopting these healthy lifestyle behaviors along with a plant-based diet early in life, as most of these conditions, cancer, cardiovascular disease, start in childhood, adolescence, before we reach adulthood. I just wanted to highlight how embedded plant-based diets really are in healthcare, and particularly with a focus in the UK, because that's my area of practice. Um, and so when we come to education that should be included in medical and healthcare curriculum set by the Medical Schools Council, there's one on sustainable healthcare, which clearly states we should be using food as medicine because unhealthy diets are a key driver of both physical and mental ill health. And that there really are benefits to both health and planet by adopting a plant-based diet. And, and so that should be our focus, really. And International guidelines such as the Eat Lancet Commission have got guidance for healthcare professionals that recommend a diet that includes more plant-based foods and fewer animal source foods because this is healthy for us and the planet. And again, there's a declaration written by the World Federation for General Practitioners calling for a more sustainable plant-based diet rich in fruits, vegetables, whole grains, beans, nuts and seeds because it's better for planetary health as well as our own health. In the UK, we finally got an undergraduate curriculum for nutrition for medical doctors published in October 2021. I mean, I have to say it's a little disappointing because it takes the stance that veggie and vegan diets are restrictive um, and need to be well planned to meet nutrient requirements. But to be honest, I think any diet pattern needs to be well planned um, and it's disappointing they don't address sustainability. However, it clearly places nutrition at the heart of everything we do as healthcare professionals. And similarly, this outcome for graduates from the General Medical Council clearly states that we should understand as medical practitioners the role of nutritional counselling um, to improve the health of our patients, our families and our communities. Now, we haven't updated the UK dietary guidelines since 2016. We still have the Eat Well Guide, which I'd urge you to look at if you haven't seen it already. We've also, um, at Plant-Based Health Professionals, made a plant-based version of this guide because it's easily adaptable to a plant-based diet. Two-thirds of the diet is already recommended to be um, from plant sources. And when it comes to healthy sources of 
protein, it states that we should be choosing plant sources over animal sources. But what we do have from the UK government is recent guidance about climate and health and healthy eating. And I've, I've pulled out some statements really that highlight how plant-based diets really need to be at the center of what we're doing here in the UK. It clearly states that the foods most damaging to our health are also most damaging to the planet. And that really is um, the animal sourced foods. Yet a diet rich in plant foods has benefits for the environment and for our individual health. And some individuals, they say, may limit their consumption of animal products. And it is possible to get the nutrients from a balanced and varied plant-based diet. So that's a thumbs up in my, my, my mind from the UK um, government. So what are we doing at Plant-Based Health Professionals? Um, so we provide education and advocacy on whole food plant-based nutrition for prevention and treatment of chronic disease, as well as for supporting planetary health with most of our activities based in the UK. We're a health professional-led organisation and we launched in 2018 with our first conference, which was a real joy because it brought together um, a community of like-minded individuals that had never met before um, who really wanted to spread the message of healthy plant-based diets for improving health outcomes for patients, for our families, for our communities. And this is what we try to, to concentrate on. So we want to educate health professionals in the public and really influence um, policy. And we're doing this through a number of ways, which I'll, I'll go into. But our website really is full of useful and free information. Um, we do regular live free webinars. We've got a big conference coming up, our first in-person one since 2019. So VegMed London 2023, if anyone wants to attend. And we do all sorts of other types of campaigning and hands-on education. Um, one, of the, uh, one of my personal um, bigger achievements with the help of a lot of friends and colleagues is that we now have formal education at the University of Winchester teaching health professionals around plant-based diets. So it's an eight-week online course accessible from anywhere in the world and has been running for four years and it has been hugely successful. It's now recommended to all GPs as part of the Green Impact for Health Toolkit, which is a toolkit for GP practices to promote sustainable healthcare, which of course includes preventative healthcare, but also reducing the carbon footprint of the healthcare we do provide. And of course, diet um, change is essential for that. Just last year, we've now produced a credible textbook that we hope will be incorporated into libraries and universities in the UK and around the world, and of course, into the curricula itself. So if you haven't seen this already, do take a look and um, think about buying it from wherever, wherever you buy your books. As I say, we provide um, credible CPD accredited webinars on a regular basis, um, and the recordings are then available to our um, paid uh, members, but they're free. Um, when they're delivered online um, live. Um, I write regularly, bringing people up to date with the nutrition science, so you can follow me on Medium or find it on the website. We now deliver a course in three uh, medical schools in the UK called Cooking for the Climate. So Hayley Tate is a GP, chef, author, um, all-round amazing person who is now delivering this course, which we've called Cooking for the Climate, really bringing together the aspects of planetary health along with our individual health um, and teaching health professionals the, the skills and um, knowledge they need to support their patients going forward to incorporate this into clinical practice. And we give talks all over the country. Um, our lives have been made a little easier since 
Um, a lot of the education around the country for hospitals and health organizations is still delivered um, online and um, it's able to reach a lot of people. So myself and LJ and others have been touring the country doing grand grand presentations which are delivered to um, doctors and healthcare practitioners around the UK and we don't shy away from showing people the reality of our food and farming system because we cannot be health professionals without showing compassion for our fellow animals and and of course um how we eat how we produce food really plays into the um, um agenda of one health that our own health cannot be extricated from the health of the planet and that of the animals we've published a lot of papers and reviews and um, so we're trying to get the message out there a bit wider publishing case studies and um, success stories so that the medical professionals can read this in the peer-reviewed literature We've got a load of fact sheets. If you haven't already discovered them, please, please, please go to the fact sheet section of our website. It'll have a fact sheet on virtually everything you're interested in. If it doesn't, please let me know because it might be something that we want to work on um, developing. I know this is one of the most useful sections for patients and for practitioners who can easily just send their patients uh, a link. Um, and then Hayley, who I mentioned before, who's a GP and chef, she runs a community kitchen which we sponsor in Liverpool. It's a community plant-based cook school where once a week she brings together community groups, school groups, vulnerable groups, cooks a load of meals that are then distributed to the homeless in Liverpool. And of course, they're all whole food plant-based recipes. And as I mentioned at the start, we now have a healthcare service. So individuals um, can book an appointment to um, see our GP, our dietitian, or practicing plant-based lifestyle medicine. We're also running group programs as well. Um, so do check that out if that's relevant. Of course, currently you still have to pay. It's not part of the National Health Service, but we really, really hope to um, uh, to really um, work with the NHS at some point to be able to deliver this um, more uniformly throughout the healthcare service. We have a 21 day plant based challenge. It's an um, email sign up um, and you get daily emails for 21 days with um, fact sheets and recipes and information on how to switch to a healthy plant based diet. Um, and we work with our media and PR teams to really get the message out there in the mainstream media. And I hope you've been noticing that we have managed to get quite a lot of coverage um, uh, over the last few years in um, sort of top tier um, publications. And our community, myself included, have written a number of books. So my book came out last year, Eating Plant-Based, published with my sister, Zara, who's based in Canada and runs a similar organization called Plant-Based Canada. But um, so many of our team and members have written really great books that should support people in the UK and beyond to feel comfortable adopting a whole food plant-based diet. And We've worked hard to have collaborations, and I think the most receptive group of health professionals are those that are fighting for climate justice in the UK. We have um, members, um, uh, so we have collaborations with Health XR, they used to be called Doctors for XR, a group called um, uh, Ecomedics, and the UK Health Alliance on Climate Change, um, which is a, is a, is a membership policy organization representing healthcare professionals in the UK and they have published a commitment to prioritize plant-based and sustainably sourced food um, so that's great to see and we've provided them with education and input 
And then I just wanted to um, mention some great international examples of how things are moving forward and, and us in the UK have a lot to learn. So, for example, there's culinary medicine being incorporated into medical school curriculum. This is an example of the Grossman School of Medicine. There's the first mandatory plant-based nutrition curriculum, and this is at Wayne State University. And you won't have failed to see the headlines about um, New York City hospitals, 11 of them making plant-based meals the default, meaning that patients are served plant-based um, choices as the first option, and they can opt in if they want to choose animals um, as part of their meal. But what we hear from the um, teams that are delivering this um, successful campaign is that 60% of people, patients, stick with the plant-based option. So, to conclude, plant-based nutrition addresses both individual and planetary health. And actually, if you look around at the guidelines and policies, plant-based diets are pretty much endorsed and embedded into these guidelines. Um, and what we've tried to do is create readily available resources for everyone. And I think what's really encouraging is that health professionals are really starting to consider the morality of eating animals and what we expect of our fellow humans to do for us in order for us to eat animals, so slaughterhouse workers in particular. And you can see the, the reference at the bottom um, is really about the moral, um, the, the, the morality of continuing to eat animals um, and not um, give people education on plant-based nutrition. And this review concludes, the medical profession can help to move the needle by embracing, embracing radical change when possible, especially within our own ranks an incremental change when necessary to promote harm reduction. We owe it to the profession, to our patients and to the planet we share. And this was in regards to promoting plant-based nutrition. Oh, and I think that is going to be my last slide then. Thank you. I've, it was actually a shorter presentation that I envisaged. So I think I've stopped sharing my slides and hopefully I am back for everyone to see. Yes, that was very, very informative. Thank you so much. It gave me a lot of hope to know that um, in the New York City hospitals, that things are changing and uh, that, well, so much is going on over in the UK that, that, that's very promising. And it's not exactly what we want, I mean, but still it's a start. And that's where we have to, you know, we have to really celebrate these baby steps because we've come a long way. And I was really surprised because when he said that this isn't the traditional way we eat because so many people think well we, we're meant to eat meat right and but could you talk a little bit about that yeah i mean i think it's interesting isn't it when you delve back into traditional cultural diet patterns most of them are predominantly plant-based you know i can talk about my own south asian or, or indian background you know most of the delicious and traditional dishes are very much plant-based and i think you know the level of animal consumption really is a recent phenomenon since after the Second World War. Um, and, you know, it's been, it, you know, the increase has really been driven through promotion by the agricultural industry, through um, financial incentives, rather than it being directly related to what we need for health. So, you know, as humans, we're omnivores, we can choose, um, you know, we can eat animals, we can eat plants. But what's for certain is that we do not need to consume animals to um, thrive <laughs> physically and mentally. And so 
most of us in high income countries, even middle income countries can make a choice to exclude animals from their diet and um, you know, adopt a fully plant-based diet because it's the only uh, way of eating that really addresses individual and planetary health along with compassion and kindness to our, our fellow animals. Yes, amen to that. Uh, so I see that we have some great comments. Um, here's one from Claudia. This is great, making the bridge between animal rights, health, and environment. Yes, and this is a moral, a moral issue also. So it's wonderful that you all aren't, I mean, that you're addressing it head on. Yeah, I mean, we're trying certainly. And I think, you know, you can't talk about the food system without addressing all three, because, you know, when you talk about the One Health objective, you know, it's a narrative that's um, created by the WHO, you know, and I, I, I know there may be issues there. But, you know, the fact that we cannot create good health for us without addressing um, the health of the planet and the animals. And when it comes to the animal agricultural system, it's driving our own ill health, not only because it's producing foods that are creating ill health, but because of um, the issue of antimicrobial resistance. So having infections now that are resistant to our well-known antibiotics because of the widespread use in animal agriculture. And of course, you know, the risk of pandemics. Um, I don't know what it's like in the US, but in the UK, for over a year now, we've had outbreak out of outbreak of bird flu, so much so for the best part of a year, birds were not able to be let outdoors. So there was no free range, um, you know, eggs or chickens, even though we know that label is a, is a nonsense, but even that was not available because all um, farm birds had to be kept inside to prevent um, spread of bird flu and millions, literally millions of birds have been slaughtered to try and prevent its spread. And if we do not consider this as part of our issue to resolve and the fact that we can make a choice, most of us can make a choice to not consume animals, um, then um, you know I think we are failing to address all the drivers of ill health at the moment. Yes, and uh, unfortunately, it's easy to close our eyes to it or not want to learn more. You know, and I hear a lot of people. If I if I express, I'll say, well, this 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 will really help your inflama inflammation, or this will really help your arthritis. And they say it can't be that simple. It's more than you know. They don't want to believe that food that is a simple cure. And what would you say to someone that would say that to you? Yeah, no, it's difficult, isn't it, when there's entrenched beliefs about the fact that, um, you know, uh, sort of the conventional Western pharmaceutical driven um, healthcare is the only approach. And I think, you know, you have to judge it based on the person in front of you. You know, when I say that everyone can make the choice, well, actually, in the UK, not everyone can make the choice because actually healthy foods are more expensive um, than certainly ultra processed foods, you know, calorie for calorie. Um, you're going to be able to buy more in terms of the unhealthy sort of junk food, which is often based around animal products than you can in terms of broccoli and apples and pears and that sort of thing. Um, so we do need to make these this healthy way of eating a priority and, a, and, you know, a human right that everyone can afford that. But yeah, I think as a, you know, as a healthcare professional, you have to understand the context in which your patient is, you know, can they afford 
um, you know, to um, to change their diet? Have they got the social support? Do they know how to cook and, and that sort of thing? And, you know, if people are open to it, you'd need to just start slowly adding in some fruits and vegetables, an extra portion a day, slowly starting to crowd out those foods that are less healthy. Um, and, you know, sharing good news stories, sharing successes, being honest about your own journey, you know, that none of us were born vegan or whole food plant-based or very few of us. And it has taken time to, you know, for a lot of us to come to this way of living and eating. So um, I think you need to be there to support, understand the social structures. And I think the thing that supports patients the most is having that community support. So having a loved one who will make changes with them or um, a community kitchen, like I've described, or, you know, Facebook groups or, you know, book clubs or whatever that will support people to keep on the, the right path. So we sort of need to build that into our sort of way of, 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 of um, supporting people to live better. Yes, you're right. We need that support. It's very hard if we're trying to do it by ourselves. Uh, there's a lot going up against us. And so what about, what, what's, what, <laughs> tell me about your experience. What led you to vegan or whole food plant-based? Yeah, I mean, it was the ethics and the animals that really um, led my um, conversion to a vegan lifestyle back in 2013. I'd been vegetarian since 2001 um and you know i just decided i didn't want to eat animals but i hadn't really thought about it any further so i'd stayed vegetarian for rather too long <laughs> for tw um for a good 12 years before um myself and my two sisters who really transitioned together um at, uh, to a vegan diet and lifestyle um really started discussing the horrors of the dairy and the egg industry and as soon as you realize from a science point of view that you absolutely do not need um, these foods and these uh, products of animals in your diet, then it, you cannot justify it any longer. And once you've seen what happens in factory farms and in, in any farms and the fact that all of these animals, regardless if they're giving us eggs or milk, are ultimately slaughtered in the same slaughterhouse, um, it's difficult to carry on justifying that. Um, so that was that was pretty easy, really, going from veggie to vegan. And as I say, all my traditional <laughs> favorite dishes are pretty much vegan anyway, all the dals and the veggies. And, you know, it was just about making some sensible swaps and adding in healthy foods like tofu and swapping out the dairy and what, what have you. Um, but what was the eye opener was learning about the health implications of a plant based diet. You know, we all want to be certain that we're doing the right thing for our health. And as soon as you open the textbooks and read the papers and understand the scientific literature, it's quite clear that you can really address your own health and that of the animals and the planet by adopting a, a vegan or a plant-based diet, if you do it well and in a healthy way. So um, once I'd sort of educated myself over the next four or five years, so coming up to 2017, 2018, I sort of thought, well, it's time now to try and build a community amongst um, the healthcare professionals in the UK because there wasn't that network of individuals coming together to really elevate the message. I think, you know, on the one hand, we needed to educate ourselves as a community. And on the other level, we needed to start to, um, you know, drive that message on a wider level and feel comfortable that there is a community backing up, um, you know, what we're saying as individuals to our patients and our, our fellow colleagues when we get that natural pushback from people who are not ready to hear the the message. So that's been the real joy that there are so many of us in the UK now who are practicing or using plant-based 
diets within their clinical practice or have achieved um, better health for themselves and their families um, or are just vegan for the animals, which is a great reason to be vegan um, and, and, and bridging that. And I think we, we, you know, we, we as health professionals and doctors really do have um, a, a valuable part to play because we're still considered credible <laughs> for, the, for the most part. So I think if we can use our voice in, in advocacy for whatever social justice movement, I think um, that feels the right, the right thing to do. Definitely, you're right. Um, you all have a powerful voice and I'm excited that you all are joining up over there. So um, if anybody, please, everyone put your questions in and please hit subscribe if you're watching. And here's the question from Kathy. Does the government in the UK subsidize animal agriculture yeah. like the US? Yeah, sadly still does. It's terribly sad. And we have got really very effective meat and dairy lobby organizations that have co-opted doctors and scientists and dietitians to really be their mouthpiece. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if anyone um, is watching from the UK, but, you know, everyone will know um, Dr. Hilary Jones, who's been our TV doctor for best part of like 30, 40 years ever since I was growing up. And, you know, he's he lobbies for a, a dairy front group, you know, so it's it's really terrible. And so, yes, the same exactly the same things are going on here in the UK as in the US. And, um, you know, on the one hand, they have all these policy documents. And on the other hand, they do quite the opposite. Um, it was interesting, you know, uh, over the pandemic, it was noted um, that dairy sales decreased markedly and lots of dairy milk was being thrown away in part because obviously restaurants and coffee houses had to close. And, you know, uh, I guess people were looking at different ways of, of consuming. And so that that wastage uh, of milk, um, you know, instead of saying, well, let's scale back on um, dairy farming, what, what was the solution that the UK government put a million pounds into a campaign called Milk the Moments to encourage people to start drinking milk again. I mean, it is just the craziest nonsense. And the, even the worst thing was, it was supported by one of our mental health charities called Mind. So as I say, you know, the dairy industry, the meat industry, they co-opt like credible actors in the space to really promote a food that you know can barely be called a food really and is so not necessary so yeah the same playbook wherever you are in the world gosh yeah <laughs> it is i know well and and yeah it's just amazing talking to so many people you know around the world we get to learn how it's i mean how all the all the different places in the world are impacted like the rainforest right well i mean if it's impacting them it's impacting us right the connectedness of all this so it, it's really we really have to come together and learn how to how to have compassion also for people that are very entrenched in their beliefs um how do you i mean what how, how did when you went vegan or when you went vegan how did your family or friends, I mean, did they support you in that? And how did yeah. that happen? How did that, <laughs> how did those yeah. conversations go? Yeah, well, I was really lucky because I have, I'm close to my two sisters um, who are now both in the sort of animal movement or, or plant-based movements themselves. Um, and so, you know, I definitely had the support and there was no issues there at all. And we, 
um, managed to convince our parents as well, who are going to be 80 this year. And so they, you know, they've been vegan for at least five years. So it really has been a family tradition, uh, transition, which of course makes things hugely easier. My husband's vegan, my two dogs are vegan. So, you know, it helps. And I see how the opposite is true. It's really hard when families are not um, there supporting each other. But it didn't all happen all at once. So, you know, my husband lagged four, four years behind. Um, and, you know, our parents didn't transition straight away. So, you know, I understand, um, you know, that everyone takes their own time. So I've been very fortunate. And then I guess as time goes on, I've surrounded my with like-minded people you know plant-based health professionals has brought out um the best in the health professional community and i have you know new and different friends now who are aligned and yeah of course i have friends who are not vegan um but i mean i think you, you kind of you kind of place yourself where you want to be in a place of kind of compassion where people share your values so um on some level it can narrow your circle but on other on other levels it opens up new friendships and new communities yeah, you're right. And that's great that you have that immediate support. That, and, and I love what you said. It, it wasn't overnight because a lot of times we want to give up on our families, but it's it's a journey for everyone. And, and we have to really be respectful of that. And yes. And someone, let's think there's another comment. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Being vegan saved my life and my big post christian catastrophic accident medical team knows that I'm a rare bird have been told numerous times what happened to me would have killed most we really need to integrate the real nutrition into the education of our children and medical treatment love to you oh how sweet that's lovely and that's, <laughs> that's great sweet. that's a great um well it's a great what well, I can't think of the word I'm a testimonial for when you're yeah. talking to people that's beautiful and it's really powerful to have these testimonials and whether they're for our own health or people that we know and so it's wonderful to learn the most that we can because some people might be interested in health and some people might not care about health they might be interested in the in the environment so we just have to listen and I love you yeah. bringing it all together yeah no I think that's right and I think we do have to be careful in our advocacy that we don't oversell a vegan or plant-based diet you still become sick on a vegan and plant-based diet it may not be nothing to do with your um uh diet um so i think well it won't be anything to do with your diet if your diet is uh, you know put together correctly um so i think you know i think we don't shouldn't set ourselves up for a fall but what we can say is that we know that a healthy plant-based diet will give you the best chance or uh, to, to reduce your risk of chronic disease, heal, you know, manage your conditions. Um, and regardless of whether you already have an underlying condition, you can improve things even if you can't completely get rid of it um, by adopting um, a plant-based diet and eating more whole plant foods. So I don't think there's any, any issues there at all. Very true. What about inflammation um, people with arthritis? And, and because I noticed one of my friends the other day, her hands were getting swollen and everything mm. to that point. So how much can be done? Yeah, well, I think it's very individual. And um, I don't know if anyone follows me on Facebook or social media, but our patient advocate um, called Kate Dunbar, um, she had crippling psoriatic arthritis. Um, and when I met her, she'd already transitioned um, to a vegan diet and was going slowly to a whole food plant-based diet, reducing her medications. And um, 
as of today, she's been off her medications for five years. She's really well. She's 60 years old, just done her first marathon. So, you know, there there is real hope, I think, for people with inflammatory conditions. Not everyone's going to get reversal, but there's absolutely no doubt that in eliminating inflammatory foods, which is very much the red and processed meats, um, the ultra-processed foods that are generally high in salt, sugar, and fat, um, and prioritizing healthy plant foods is going to lower inflammation in the body. Um, so there, there is absolutely no doubt. I think the degree of resolution you get um, depends on other factors, and, and diet's not the only driver of inflammation in the body, as you might imagine, you know, psychological stress, um, you know, your, your use of um, your body, your, like, your physical activity, sleep, you know, your other exposure to toxins. I mean, of course, most people realize that they shouldn't be smoking or drinking alcohol when they've got inflammatory conditions, um, you know, and, and your sort of general environment, your exposure to nature, your health of your microbiome, which is influenced by so many things. So it's not going to be a be all and end all. But I think, you know, you can at least, um, you know, have a, have a good go at improving your symptoms with a plant based diet, for sure. Definitely, right? Yes, move forward, no matter what. So do you have a strong opinion on using salt and oil? Mm. Yeah, good question. I probably don't have a strong opinion, but um, all I'd say is that um, most of the salt in the UK and US diet comes from ultra-processed foods. So, you know, the pre-prepared and packaged foods that you kind of buy in the supermarket. So once you've eliminated those from your diet, which all, anyone and everyone should really minimize, then salt isn't a major, major issue. Um, I don't think we need added salt in the diet, that's for sure. Um, if adding a bit of salt to your diet um, allows you to eat more fruits and vegetables, it might be a good thing. You know, if you're going to be able to flavor your dishes better with a bit of salt and it gets you to eat more of your beans and you're probably not going to put it on your fruit, but your vegetables at least, um, then I think that's okay. I think if you um, have high blood pressure, you, it's useful to know whether you're one of these people that um, is affected by... Um, uh, salt in the diet. So, you know, if you're trying to control your blood pressure more naturally, then eliminating salt for a few weeks and seeing if that makes a difference is useful because we do know that added salt will push up your uh, blood pressure readings by a few millimeters. And in most people, not all people. Um, so, I think it. I think it depends. I don't use salt in the house, um, but if I go out, I'm not going to you know, worry too much about the salt in the restaurant meals. I don't go out that often to eat, but when I do, I don't stress about it. Um, I think with the added oils, I think it's um, all about, you know, the quality and quantity. So not all oils are created equal. I mean, obviously this group knows that we're not going to be reaching for the animal source types of fats and butters and that sort of thing. Um, and equally um, the tropical oils, palm oil, coconut oil, I'd say, Move, uh, leave aside um, because they do elevate, um, well, they're high in saturated fat and do elevate your blood cholesterol. And, and that's partly the problem with the ultra processed foods. They often have palm oil and coconut oil, even the vegan sort of processed foods. So it's worth being mindful of that. So then you come to the better quality oils like extra virgin olive oil and rapeseed oil. And I think it really depends on your health goals. I think if you're if you're struggling with um, losing weight, I think it's an easy thing to do to get rid of this really energy dense, um, you know, food and in inverted commas in your in in your diet because it it doesn't provide you with any nutrients that you can't get from uh, anywhere else. On the other hand, if it supports you to 
eat more vegetables and have more roasted vegetables and, and all those sort of things, then, then all well and good. Just make sure you choose a good quality um, oil like extra virgin oil or rapeseed oil or, you know, if you're having it on salads like flaxseed oil or avocado oil or things like that. Oil is, added oil is not necessary in the diet. So again, I don't use oil in the house. Um, I struggle to maintain a healthy weight. So for me, it's sort of a waste of calories. I don't miss it. I don't need it in most of my dishes. Um, if I go out, I'm not going to stress if there's some oil on the food. Um, I think if you really, really have critical heart disease and really want to try the Dean Ornish and the Esselstyn types of um, heart disease reversal type diets, then go for it. Um, you know, be really strict, get rid of oil, give yourself the best chance. Is that the only way to do it? I don't know. But, you know, I think if that's what you want to do. But I don't think saying no salt, no, no oil for everybody on the whole planet is the way forward. I don't think it's as clear cut as that. So sorry, a bit of a long answer, but that's where I stand on it. No, that's a very good answer. Yes. And um, I, we've got another comment here. Um, I think being consistent in vegan life is enhancing others to try at least more plant-based. The meat intake of my son is shrinking. And I know Claudia has been very patient watching her son. For Christmas, he bought some foie gras, pretending that in France everyone does. And I got very surprised. Yesterday, I saw it in the fridge, so he didn't need it. Yes. And, 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 and I just want to applaud you for your patience, Claudia. I know that we've been there. We know what it's like when we really want our family and friends to change. And it's very, it can be very frustrating. So um, really knowing that we, we all have been there and, and we're all doing our best to be patient and let people be on the journey. So yes, so I have another question. So when, when it comes to heart attack and stroke and these animal foods, so what is gonna, what causes, I mean, what's the difference? You know, is it just, I know that, I mean, can you tell me what, what, what causes one person to have a stroke and one person to have a heart attack? Oh, I see. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so ultimately, you know, they fall under the same umbrella of cardiovascular disease. So, you know, um, diseases that affect the heart and the blood vessels and most strokes and uh, 90% of strokes are because of the buildup of, um, you know, fatty plaques in the arteries causing blockage. Um, so the same sort of thing that happens in the heart. It's difficult to know why one person might manifest in, in one way and another in another way, to be honest. It's the same disease process. Um, uh, I haven't really thought about why why one would happen more than the, the other, to be honest. I mean, obviously, the commonest cause of death globally is still heart disease. So, you know, heart disease is much more likely to get you first. Um, but um, it's the same, same disease process. You can say that for so many things from, you know, kind of peripheral artery disease, from erectile dysfunction, probably some back pain where you've got stenosis of the back arteries. Um, you know, you've got, um, yeah, as you say, the strokes and heart attacks are the, the most common things that happen because of an animal heavy diet. Um, so, yeah, so I think, you know, but again, there's so many other risk factors that also play into your risk of, of of stroke um so um and heart disease so everything together healthy lifestyle more plant-based diets um will really help reduce your risk and and both of those conditions share all the same risk factors um which are things like elevated blood pressure elevated cholesterol unhealthy excess weight um and type 2 diabetes those are the kind of main drivers that sort of um 
accumulate the fatty plaques. So what if someone is obese? What would you say to that? I mean, how big of a risk factor is that? Yeah, I mean, it is a risk factor for a lot of chronic conditions. But I mean, I think most of us in the health profession, we're not going to just concentrate so slowly on uh, solely on just the weight issue. What we want to do is help people to adopt healthier lifestyle behaviours. And because again, you know, carrying excess weight, um, we had a report back in 2004, I think it was now, um, called the Foresight Report into like, you know, what is driving overweight and obesity and it's not straightforward it's not just about eating the wrong things and lack of control and you know um you know people being bad with with what they're what they're consuming and there were over a hundred different factors both physical mental environmental that is driving this um epidemic or pandemic really globally so you know what you want to focus on is is a healthy diet and lifestyle and yeah for most people, it is easier to be a healthier weight when you eliminate those foods that are calorie dense and not going to give you the nutrients you need. So that comes down to the animal foods, the dairy, the eggs, um, and the ultra processed foods. And of course, um, added oil, you know, is going to be added calories without much nutrition. So. All right. Well, what about, let me ask you this question. What about dementia and Alzheimer's? So mm. is that... So I, I realize there's the connection, but is that, do people accept that? I mean, the healthcare, you know? Yeah, the, yeah the, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So we had, we've had a couple of really great reports from the UK um, uh, science and research community. So the Lancet um, commissioned um, some articles or, or research on dementia prevention. Um, and, um, Basically, the latest document that I think was from 2020, if I'm not mistaken, um, demonstrated that 40% of cases of dementia could be prevented if we paid attention to um, diet, lifestyle and other socioeconomic factors. Um, so that's huge, really, when you've got a condition for which there's virtually no treatment, that if we could prevent 40%, so that's huge. And then in terms of diet and dementia absolutely because it's the same drivers again you know it's high blood pressure high cholesterol excess weight it's um uh, the type 2 diabetes that is driving um conditions like alzheimer and um, vascular dementia as well um and the who um has published um their statement on healthy diets for dementia back in 2019 and it clearly i mean i guess the who generally recommend a mediterranean diet for everything but when it talks about the individual foods it's really about prioritizing the fruits vegetables whole grains beans nuts and seeds so um you know it's very supportive of and I guess, you know, in the vegan community, we've got less data uh, on the impact of a fully plant-based or vegan diet on brain health. We just haven't had the studies one way or other. I guess people worry or make us worry about the lack of fish and the lower intakes of omega-3 fatty acids. Um, and, but we don't have enough robust data one way or other. The information we do have from the Adventist study and also the Taiwanese vegan and vegetarian cohort is that actually there may be an advantage um, to protecting um, brain health by having a, a veggie vegan diet. So um, I think, you know, from what we can tell, it's positive because you're preventing the risk factors 
Um, and, you know, hopefully we can delay or prevent the onset of, uh, of dementia itself. Yeah, so what about uh, the, 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 what was the, the fish cod liver? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, it's, it's talking about, well, cod liver oil was, you know, promoted because of the, the omega-3 fatty acids. So um, we won't, as vegans, be getting um, the usual source of these long-chain omega-3 fatty acids because people usually get it from fish. We know that fish get omega-3 fats from algae and microplankton and, and, and so forth. So we can get it from the source, from the algae. Um, but we can get the precursor of these long chain fatty acids, the so-called short chain fatty acids from plant sources like flax seeds, chia seeds, um, hemp seeds, walnuts, um, soya, leafy greens. Um, so, you know, we can we need to prioritize those in the diet. There's no there's no doubt um, whether everyone needs to be on an algae supplement. The jury is out definitely um, for children up to the age of two, definitely for pregnancy and lactation. And maybe for people as they age, precautionary principle, probably not going to do much harm if you can afford it, then, you know, having an omega-3 supplement may not be a bad idea, but we haven't got robust, um, yeah, evidence one way. All right, well, we got some more questions here. We've got, um, what do you think about honey? I don't eat neither honey or marmalade. I just eat the bread, sometimes putting some plant margarine. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I guess it, the, the, um, it depends how you want to relate or answer that question. When it comes to, you know, being vegan, you know, honey is not vegan. It utilizes bees in a way that is cruel and unnecessary. And we know that um, uh, farming or well, I don't know what the right word is, maybe farm bees, um, um, that it's really driving loss of um, biodiversity and the natural bee populations. So really, it's harming the animals and the planet. When it comes to health, well, I mean, I don't think there's any strong evidence of its sort of, you know, medicinal healing properties. And ultimately, your body um, uh, uses it like any other source of sugar. So um, you know, ultimately, it is a free sugar and not packaged with any fiber. Um, so I don't, I don't see how it's going to have some amazing properties. And if you think that you know one honeybee will produce during its whole lifetime like half a teaspoon worth, you know how much, how many honeybees are we having to farm and produce and you know unhumanely? Um, slaughter and die and what have you um, in order to get that half a teaspoon of, of honey. I just don't think it's necessary. I mean, for me on, on breads, I might, you know, crush some avocado. I might have a nut butter, which is much more healthy, to be honest, if you're going to try it, if you're not allergic to nuts or maybe a seed butter um, or hummus or any bean dip or, or kind of bean mash or something. So, I mean, I just like the, 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 it's, and the, the choices are limitless or some grilled tofu or a tofu scramble or, you know, I don't know. and I'm not even very adventurous with my cooking. So that's just a few off the top of my head. Good tips. Okay, here's another question. Here we go. Do you happen to know if lifestyle medicine is available certification to someone who is a clinical child psychologist? Or yeah. Doctors. No, it's not just for doctors. So I, I don't know um, where you're calling in from, but in the US, the American College of Lifestyle Medicine administers the certification. In the UK, we have the British Society of Lifestyle Medicine, and there's various lifestyle medicines dotted around the world, but anyone around the world can take the certification. Um, and it's open to, as far as I know, 
all healthcare practitioners. So I don't see that there would be any issue with with your your psychology background and in and getting that qualification should you want to. Great. And then here's one more. We're running out of time, so we got time for this one. How how about vegan omega three supplements? Yeah, I think I sort of partly covered that when I was when we were talking about omega three and and fish oil. So when I was talking about supplements for that, I wasn't I wasn't assuming that people are going to go to the fish source. So yeah, so getting your omega three as a supplement that's made from algae is definitely an option if you want it. Whether we all need to take it is a question I can't answer because the science is not available. So I think a lot of us take the precautionary view. Definitely yes for pregnancy and lactation probably yes for all children up to the age of two and probably for 50 plus you know as a kind of insurance um, our bodies get less good at converting the short chain as we age brain health is really important i don't think there's a downside assuming your source is uncontaminated algae um, and yeah so i think i think why not if 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 you want to I don't actually. I haven't got around to buying a supply, but anyway. <laughs> but you're giving us some great information, though. Yes, definitely. Because I wouldn't have thought about that, but I did recently have a discussion with two ladies that were saying, again, their their physicians were promoting the cod liver oil and, and all that. So yeah, it's disturbing when you think about the toxins in our oceans and everything. So it's nice to have a different choice and to know the facts mm -hmm. here. So. Yeah. So I'm really appreciative, and we're really appreciative that we did at that health that you could come on and talk to us and let us know where, if there are any final thoughts you had and let us know where people can reach out to you. To oh, on. yeah. Um, so I'm all over social media. We're plant-based health professionals. I'm under my name as well. And um, you can just go to our website, which has links to social media or contact page. So plantbasedhealthprofessionals.com. Um, yeah, and you guys have got my website anyway. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm on your website already. Yes, well, thank you so much. This has been very educational. I'm going to have to watch it again to get all the little tidbits, right? And to check out that 20, was it 21-day challenge? Yeah, 21-day challenge, health challenge, yeah. So it's, it's the same like a veganuary or no meat may or whatever, but it's just a different one. You can sign up anytime. You get 21 days of emails of, you know, top tips and information of how to make your plant-based diet healthy for you and your family. Yeah, wonderful. Definitely. I'll be giving that to my friends that, that need a little extra help. And, and and just remember that we're all in this together. So thank you so much for this wonderful time that you shared with us, your knowledge, and for everything you're doing. And Claudia saying beautiful live stream. Thank you so much. Thank you, Claudia. Oh, thank you. Everyone for watching. I'm really appreciative. And please reach out. Um, to Dr. Shireen, she's yeah. available, and we we're, yeah. thank God we're in this together. So thank you so much again, everyone. No, no problem. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> bye bye, everybody. Namaste, vegan. <laughs> <laughs>